Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Fallon. You're listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. It's so crazy to be doing a podcast about heartbreak with everything that is going on in the world and um you know it's interesting because i find myself looking for kind of uplifting podcasts that i've been listening to um and I, so if you're reaching out to my podcast especially in a time like this i really appreciate it i i mean I think we all find ourselves in different places. I was listening to one the other day. It's actually one of my friend's podcasts, and they were talking about um, depression, actually. And uh, my friend's husband was saying how when he's feeling it coming on, he just go, he like seeks out that spot. Like he starts listening to super sad music. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the exact same way. When I like feel something coming on, like I'm not feeling right having an off day or a week or whatever it may be. That's what I do. I like, I don't, a lot of the times I don't go look for something happy. I want to like completely like dive into that and surround myself with it. And and music is the main way I do it. Um, We've had some really gloomy weather here in Minnesota in the Twin Cities. So that has not helped at all. But um, anyway, for whatever reason you have found yourself here listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. I just want to always say thank you so much because there are about 40 billion podcasts to listen to these days. And I'm so thankful that you took the time to listen to mine. And today we're going to jump in and go for it with Teresa. Teresa joins me today on the Heartbroken Podcast. Teresa, share with me a little bit about what we'll hear in your story today. Um, What you'll be hearing today is kind of a a relationship that wasn't supposed to be that was. Um, You meet everybody for a reason, and I ended up finding my second mom and developing just a inseparable bond with her. I'm Fallon, and this is the Heartbroken Podcast. Everyone has experienced heartbreak in their life, some more than others. Often, we feel like we're bothering our family or friends when we talk about it. I started this podcast to help those going through heartbreak share their stories. Sometimes it's easier to share with someone they don't know. I hope it's somewhat therapeutic for them. Maybe it gives them some closure. And to those listening, I hope it helps you feel less alone. Thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. So tell me a little bit about how you two came into each other's lives. Sure. So, and this was the year 2013. I was working for a home health agency um, that actually placed people, caregivers, in the homes of people needing kind of care around the house or whatever else. Um, long story short, I was placed in the home of Miss Angie. Uh, she was a 49-year-old journeyman plumber who had actually suffered a stroke. Um, so I was placed with her during the day to help with just basic activities of daily living. 
Um, with her stroke, she had a left-sided deficit, which means the entire left side of her body was pretty paralyzed. Mm -hmm. um, and this was a couple months after the stroke. So the rule of thumb with a stroke um, is kind of you give them two years to, to kind of come back or rehab. Okay. So it's just, it, it's just the unknown. Okay. So, you, you know, you're working with people day in and day out. I, I was assigned to this house just like anybody else and, and, uh, didn't think much of it and, uh, ended up getting extremely close with her. Um, as what she kind of with her, uh, it depended on the day. I think that's the other very interesting part of anything stroke related is not no brain injury is the same. And mm. I think that's, I learned that very quickly too. Um, so she suffered a stroke. Actually, she was on her way home from work as a journeyman plumber, which is kind of badass for a female in today's world. Um, she was driving home and she got extremely nauseous. She pulled over. She tried to use her phone and couldn't comprehend the numbers. Mm. She eventually got to 911. Uh, they transferred her to a local hospital and then to the University of Iowa where she underwent a craniotomy, which means they removed part of the skull to allow the brain to swell. Um, prior to surgery, she had full motor movement of her entire body. After surgery is when uh, the left-sided deficit appeared. Um, so that, that kind of went on. Again, they, they focus on rehab for the first two years. Um, my job was take, to take her to and from physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech appointments. Um, and then, like I said, help around the house with activities of daily living. Uh -huh. um, we, we had a bond. Um, I grew up Catholic and, you know, she was, she comes from a Catholic upbringing as well. Um, her husband was actually, he, I met him along with her the first day um, and, and kind of learned more about their family in the background um, and understood that they were, uh, you know, they were a Catholic family as well. Um, I think one of the, the big, I was, I was scared because I'm, I, I am gay and I, I was petrified of them like finding out oh. and I don't know why, I don't know why that was, uh, come to find out, uh, you know, we just got closer and closer. I will say her health continued to be just so inconsistent. It was, it was so hard. Um, her husband is a labor union negotiator, so he actually had to travel a lot. Um, that was so hard for both of them. Horrible, horrible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with, with the stroke, her personality did change. Um, we'd have days of perfect clarity and we'd have days of her not remembering much. She never forgot who I was or her kids or her husband, thankfully. Um, but it was, it was just, I have never seen somebody suffer in that way. And, and I have been in healthcare for a very long time. So, um, I will say with, you know, as time went on and me continuing to care for her, um, it was two days a week turned into kind of five days a week. And then I eventually got so, so, so close with her as her health declined that I actually moved in with them Oh wow! Uh, to, to take care of her 24 um, seven. And I can honestly say I would do it again in a heartbeat as hard as it was. Um, she took a turn for the worse after she suffered a few, um, seizures. Um, and we didn't know what to do. Prognosis was not clear with her. I will say too, her mother, uh, had a stroke at age 62 and developed advanced Alzheimer's. 
along with that. So you look at the genetic predisposition and Ange was always scared that she might too get Alzheimer's. Um, So we kind of shadowed her from that. We knew if she thought that she was going to get Alzheimer's and or would have it, that it would, it would definitely change her quality of life in addition to the stroke. So we kind of, you know, we kind of steered her away from that. Turns out um, with a CT post, um, post-stroke that they did find amyloid plaque or the white matter on her brain, which just like her mom is indicative of advanced Alzheimer's. Oh, goodness. So, did he know that immediately or did, is that something you guys um, tried to keep from her? I guess you couldn't keep it from her. Well, we did. And it, right, wrong, and different. I don't know. Um, we did. This woman's anxiety was just, just yeah. hell. Um, and I think, I think it would have made it worse. I, I will say I took her to physical therapy and she was doing, you know, daily physical therapy things with her doctor of physical therapy. And her physical therapist looked at me and said, how long has she had the amyloid plaque or the advanced Alzheimer's? <laughs> Right in front of Angie. Oh my gosh! So that sucked. That that day was was definitely hard. Um, so I okay. kind of had to play it off. I was gonna say, did she find out then, or did you just played it off and moved on? She started bawling, and she's like, "You guys lied to me. You never told me." I go, "No." And I, I get at this point in time because of our relationship, we were so close. I was calling her mom, mm-hmm. and I go, "No, mom. No, no, no. The physical therapist was asking about your mom. I think you just misunderstood her. Misunderstood her." Um, so, you know, a little white lie to protect her sanity. Um, we, we got past that and I, I kind of, I kind of looked at the physical therapist and did the whole neck cutoff thing, like stop, stop in your tracks. Um, so like I said, time went on, we, she was, she was in and out of the hospital for a few times just because. Anybody with a stroke does have issues with temperature regulation. She at times would spike a fever and there'd be no obvious reason as to why she'd have a fever, no immediate infection. So the process they would have to go down is, okay, so she has a fever. That's indicative of infection. Where's the infection? So she took multiple blood tests, which is more pain. She had to do a spinal tap, which... And I had to kind of help with that. And that was probably one of the hardest things, hardest things to uh, go through with her. You have somebody that's paralyzed on their left side, laying face down on a table, um, who's in chronic pain. And a doctor is, you know what I mean, sticking a needle in her, in her spinal column to, uh, to draw fluid. Uh. Um, I think after that point is when myself and the family kind of decided no more, no more of the unnecessary stuff. Um, Through all of this too, and I I don't know how many people are familiar with fighting insurance companies uh, because of her care. Anytime you have a patient that has like a failure failure to thrive, insurance companies can cut you off. Oh, okay. we were, we were dealing with a lot of that with physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech. I think that they kind of said, well, it's as good as, as good as it gets, right? And this was probably a year in. Um, that was hard. That was a hard pill to swallow for a family. Um, well, yeah. That's you know, like, what were, 
we paid into insurance for 50 years nearly or whatever. And you're giving her one year to recover. And then you're just like, well, that's as good as it's going to get. Sorry. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think we, we came to terms, um, with kind of her failure to thrive. And then again, with having the advanced Alzheimer's, there was no clear prognosis though. Um, primarily because it was, it was so it's new. She was 49 years old. You know, she had a great heart, good, uh, respiratory system, all that stuff. Um, but again, we didn't know it was stroke related and we didn't know it was Alzheimer's related at that point. Um, the family did, um, decide to take a direction of, um, hospice, um, eventually. Um, I will say I had never in the two and a half, three years that I took care of her, I had never left her for more than two days. Wow. Um, just a, just a loyalty. And anytime I, I would leave, she and I both would be kind of a wreck. Yeah. Um, we, we just kind of knew each other. I think the other important thing is we would truly try to, we would talk about things. She would talk about death. She would, she would explain to me, uh, what she wanted. She had not been in a bathtub for over a year. And that was one of my goals. I want to, I, I was thinking, I want to make this work. I, you know, I, I, so safe, you know, I uh, did get her in a, the bathtub for the first time in a year. I used a gate belt and I was a former athlete. So mm-hmm. and we, we just made it happen. And uh, that was one of her enjoyments in life. And I think the most important thing watching somebody suffer is do not take your health for granted. Um, it's tough. It's like I said, she was 49. She never smoked, never, never a big drinker. She, she did all, all the things right. And, and this still happened. Um, one of the things that she said to me one day that still resonates was she goes, Therese, I really did have it all. Um, and I think she met in terms of family, in terms of love, and in, they were comfortable financially. Um, and then the stroke completely changed her life and the life of her two sons, um, who were both actively involved in, in her care as well, uh, and her husband. So, um, just seeing her deteriorate was, was super hard. Um, I remember, uh, after the family and myself kind of went to the hospice route, um, I would, I would still get her up out of bed, um periodically just you know to get her get her moving and again we're looking at quality of life we have to have something for her to look forward to mm-hmm. i will say she was bedridden till october 31st and didn't die until the end of may so if that tells you how long this woman suffered and was bedridden mm. um it's just tough it's just it, it's hard it, it's it's extremely hard um one of the times okay, Teresa, yeah, go ahead. like you entering this person's life and just having this immediate connection. I mean, one you definitely didn't expect, but one that truly, I mean, this, you were probably seeing her more than you were seeing your own family. And definitely made that sacrifice for sure. And to become so close to someone so quickly and seemingly lose them so quickly did you even have time to process it throughout because you were so busy taking care of her? I'm going to guess you didn't have a lot of time to think about it or, or take care of yourself. And that was probably a good thing to be completely honest. I was at a time in my life where 
just a little background about me. I'm the youngest of four. I come from a very educated family. Um, so all my siblings have their master's degrees plus, and I am a two-time dropout. So I think I was <laughs> extremely hard on myself about that and the lack of education I brought to the table. Yeah. Um, one of the things Angie said to me was, I want you to become closer with your mom. Um, and I, I think I was ashamed. I think because of me not finishing a degree and being the being gay, I was a total black sheep. Mm. Um, Angie didn't care about any of that. Um, she she saw my value, and I think I think for me that was huge. Um, she just said, "I want you to become closer with your mom," um, and and that that kind of resonated too. My mom's a nurse practitioner. So mm-hmm. it, it actually helped in caring for Angie, uh, you know, picking her brain at times of what should I do now? You know, hey, we have this issue or we have a we have a bed sore or we have, you know, you know, you name it. Being able to reach out to my mom about this woman um, was was actually amazing, was actually a bond. Um, my siblings are in healthcare too, So we as an entire group actually got really close. Um. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And my, my mom even said, go ahead. And I was just going to say, that's amazing, all those things that came into play through your care for this person. It was definitely a godsend, and I... I know it's cliche to say, you know, you meet meet people for a reason. I think had I have not had her in my life at that time, my growth as a person would be, I would not be where I am today. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Um, I will say too, like it, we had her on hospice, but the woman just wasn't dying. So, so and, and that's that's terrible to say, but it's true. We we took her off of all prophylactic antibiotics, so she we didn't do anything unnecessary for her, but we did keep her comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, it came a time where I was to leave her for more than two to three days, and that was my my brother, uh, who was a captain in the Marine Corps, was getting married. So I explained to her, I'm like, "Yep, Mom, my brother's getting married. I have to leave you for a little bit." Um, however, you know, I can, I can still call you, we can FaceTime, we can do this and that. And she understood that. 
Um, I said, but we're going to put you in the hospital on respite care because I don't want Pops, who is our husband, I called Pops, mm-hmm. um, to have to take care of you. That's just, it's just too much. And she understood that. Um, I actually rode with her um, in the ambulance to transfer to the hospital so she could be on respite care. Um, I flew out of Iowa and uh, attended my brother's wedding. It was beautiful. I had a partner at the time. Uh, She came along with me. Just a great time. It was uh, Coronado, California. So we had just a great time at his wedding. Mm -hmm. What I found interesting was the lack of communication uh, from Pops about the care of Ma while I was gone. So I, I didn't know whether to take that as a red flag or, uh, or just to assume no news is good news, right? Mm-hmm. As I, as, as we, you know, went on with the wedding festivities and all, we, we were flying home. Um, we flew into the Iowa airport, my partner and myself and her, uh, Angie's oldest son, Craig was to pick me up and he, he became like a brother to me naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I met him at the gate, I looked at him in his face and it, something didn't feel right. Um, I, I looked at him and I went and gave him a hug right away and he just started sobbing. Um, that, that told me many things, you know, um, that, that she wasn't well. And I, again, we, we knew she wasn't well, but like I said, she was on hospice for over a year and she wasn't actively dying. Well, um, Craig then took me to the hospital where Ange was on respite care. Um, I was thinking, okay, so I'm back now. So we'll put her back in the ambulance. We'll take her home. Everything will be fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, she was not responsive uh, when I got back to the hospital. And I don't know. I don't know if it took me leaving her for longer than two days for her to kind of give up or um, kind of, you know, relax or let go. I don't know. Um but that, that was kind of the beginning of the end. And we knew at that point she was actively dying. Um, her family would come and go. I, this is even funny. The insurance company was still saying, well, she's on respite care, but you guys you guys can take her home now or you have to take her home now. <laughs> okay. it, right, right. You know, nice, nice time to chat about this while she's actively dying. Um, and, and we kind of just refused. Her husband was very adamant. She needed to be in the hospital. One, for pain control. End-of-life pain control is huge. Um, and and we weren't, we weren't going to move her at that time. Um, so we accepted that, yep, she's actively dying. I have never been so exhausted in all my life. We uh, stayed at that hospital for two days. Me, her two boys, and her husband, kind of around the clock, we would... Uh, take shifts, somebody would go home to shower and, and come back and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you're watching her respirations, you're, you're watching uh, different signs. And I had worked in hospice before, so I knew some of the signs to look for when it came to end of life. Um, my, my oldest sister did come down and visit, and she's been a nurse for many, many moons. And she said, I, I'd never seen somebody with that crappy of respirations still living. So Ange was definitely a fighter. Yeah. Um, it, it just took time. Her her uh, her dad. So this is the other interesting part. Is her her dad? She was the oldest of four. Her mom died of the advanced Alzheimer's. When we put Ange on hospice, her sister at age forty six 
suffered a stroke. Oh my gosh. And died. So you're looking at a hereditary predisposition, a ticking time bomb. What the heck is going on, right? So Ange lost her mom, her sister, and she herself had a stroke. So I think even her kids were like, when the hell is it my turn? So they're living in fear. Um, and nobody could, nobody could give us a, uh, an answer. It was, it was unheard of. Um, so the, you know, with her kids kind of living in fear and having a faith and, and, and losing a sister, um, and, and her dad was active, uh, in her care as well, a little goofy, but, uh, you know, he, he was a dude that lost his wife and, uh, has a daughter that's dying and one that's already lost her life to this terrible hereditary um, kind of happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting. Um, we were, we were, again, her, her extended family left and it was just me, her two sons and Roger in the room. And we were all, we were all hungry, but you know, you don't want to eat, you know, but, you know, just circumstances. You, you don't want, you don't have a lot of energy to do anything. And Raj pops looked at me and he said, go ahead and crawl in bed with our trees. And I said, no, no, it's okay. And he goes, no, seriously, go ahead. So I did. And uh, one of the things uh, I gave her was we, she had a Dora the Explorer pillow and I I was just being goofy one day and I bought it for her. And I'm like, well, mom, you know, you have a Dora pillow now, so you're pretty fancy. (laughs) Um, So we had that Dora Explorer pillow in the hospital and I remember crawling in bed with her. Um, at that time, um, she was on oxygen just again for a comfort measure. She started secreting fluid from her nose, kind of, kind of right away as soon as I crawled in bed with her. So I told her husband, I'm like, give me, give me suction so I can at least suction the fluid out of her nose. Um, that's when we know it was a matter of minutes now. Um, and it's, it's almost like she knew or she waited. I was in bed with her. My, my hand was under her pillow. Their two boys were at her side. Roger was on the other side, her husband. And it was just, it was just so, so sentimental and intimate. Um, We were giving her permission to go. Um, And I think one of the coolest things is she looked at me, um, she looked at Roger, and then she just kind of went and she just, you know, she just quit breathing. Um, though it was so, so, so hard, I think seeing that was valuable. I think one of her, her oldest son had a, a great response to her death and it was, thank you, Jesus. Mm. Um, and it, it, you know, it was just, it was just so intimate and, and, uh, so cool to see, you know, this is a woman who's fought for so long. She's finally, you know, out of pain, um, I, I, I kind of had a, a little bit of identity crisis after her death, um, because I was so involved and she was consumed so much of my life. I kind of was like, where do I go now? Yeah. What did you, you know? do? <laughs> That's a good question. I, you know, I, 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 I was seeing somebody and she lived in Wisconsin at the time. Um, so I'm like, well, here are my options. I can stay in Iowa and try to get back in school and, and get a job. Or I can move to Wisconsin, you know, eventually get back in school and, and take that route. Keep in mind, too, I was I was kind of like Roger and I were also very close pops because we were we were kind of like this, not a couple because that'd be weird. But we we were almost raising a child together because yeah. we had to take care of 
you know, Ange for so long. So he and I had a deep bond too. So it was not only am I leaving her, she's gone. I, I lost my second mom. I lost my job because she was my job mm-hmm. kind of at the same time. And, and so it, it was crunch time. I didn't know what to do. I ended up uh, moving to Wisconsin um, and continued a career as an EMT and uh, dabbled in that for a while. Um, and, 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 and still in healthcare today, but um, just, just, I think without meeting her, I would definitely not be in the place I am today. I think confidence wise, the other thing I can say is I was so down on myself and kind of, kind of feeling sorry for myself. You know, like I said, I was a two time college dropout and oh, what was me? I'm, I'm gay and I'm the black sheep of the family. But one of the things I learned was you can always find solace in taking care of somebody else. Mm. Um, and that was valuable to me. Um, I, I, I couldn't focus on myself. I, I had to, there was, there, there was somebody that needed me more. Um, and in doing that, it, it made, it made me grow. So how long total did you take care of her? It was about three years in, in total from the time that I arrived to, to work with her, you know, two days a week to the time that I, moved in with her. Um, and then she died. I, you know, it was interesting too. I, I dated multiple people, uh, and out that with, within that three year time, I never wanted to get super serious with anybody because she was my, you know, my goal. I remember, uh, going through a breakup and her sitting in that bed and she raised the only arm that worked and said, come here, honey, just to give me a hug. So she was, you know, she was just, I don't know, kind of an angel uh, in that regard. Um, Sounds like you were for each other. I mean, because you, I, I think that you gave her a reason to live. I think that you gave her the best life she could possibly have over those three years in such a terrible situation. I mean, I think, you know, you keep saying how she changed your life. She came into your life for a reason, but you know. You did that for her as well. I hope so. I think, uh, again, this was just such a, uh, we, we didn't intend for any of this to happen. We didn't intend for the relationship to be how it was um, or to get, get so involved. And, and it, I don't know, it, it definitely a blessing, definitely a blessing. Um, hard losing her, but there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about her. There's not a you know, a, a moment that I'm not reminded of who she was. She was just, I, I don't know. So as miserable or as much pain as she was in, she was always just so kind. Um, everybody. Me, who, if you could describe her in a couple of sentences, whether it be things she liked in the past or things she did like while she was with you, who was she? She was an incredibly sensitive, selfless person. Um, she, God, she loved her kids and she had a grand grandchild prior to the stroke. And her second grandchild, I think was born just days before she had the stroke. Um, and that's all she wanted to do was be a grandma. So I think, you know, life robbed her of that. Um, but it, it, she was just, she was just so patient and kind and, 
despite certain personality changes or whatever, she, she still had those things. Um, I remember looking at my own mom uh, during Angie's funeral and my mom just looked at me and put her hand over her heart and, and looked me in the eye. And I think we connected on that. And, uh, and, and my mom and I even grew, um, grew closer um, because of, you know, who Angie was. Um, my, and my own mom said, Trace, and my mom's a very devout Catholic woman. She goes, Ange was either a saint or angel on this earth. Y you know, you can decide which one she was. And for my own mom to say that was pretty special, pretty cool. Are you still in contact with the family? I am. Yep, absolutely. So I, I talk to them periodically. I still talk to Roger actually got remarried. I think that was um, a little bit, you know, hard on the boys. Um, in that process, I will, I will also say we all grieve so differently and, uh, I, you can never judge somebody, somebody else's grief. And I think we, we sometimes do that and that's, it gets us into trouble. Um, I, I think, I think therapy is also extremely underused when it comes to grief and loss. Um, and I too learned a lot, you know, hospice is amazing for many reasons. And they, they also provide that social work support, not only for the person dying, but also the family. Mm. So we were blessed in that regard to have awesome social workers by our side, um, in the grieving process. And would talk about death. We would, I would joke that I would, uh, you know, bury her in a, in an ugly outfit and she would just laugh, you know? So we, we were kind of morbid about certain things at times, but it's what got us through, you know, definitely. Uh, we, we laughed a lot. We, we, we certainly did that. Well, I am so thankful that you guys found each other. And I love seeing how this relationship changed your life, the trajectory of your life as well. And I'm so thankful that you took the time to share this story with me. I, I, and all of us, I, I love so much how you talked about, um, how helping others I mean that's I feel like that's our purpose right to help other people throughout life amen to that and I think especially right now with the with the world today mm -hmm. um it, we all need to step up and, and do do more for others and I think uh, now's time now now's as good a time as ever definitely well thank you so much Trace I really appreciate it thank you I appreciate your time and thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.